this episode of the BCEN and Friends podcast. Today's guest is best-selling author and Forbes contributor, Kurt Steinhorst. Kurt's unique insight, coupled with his entertaining and profound speaking style, help us to manage our toolkits and celebrate our limitations as we delicately balance our professional and personal lives. Our hosts today are Bridget Flood, Director of Strategy and Operations at BCEN, and Janie Shoemaker, Executive Director of BCEN. Bridget and Janie, take it away. Hello, and welcome to the BCN and Friends podcast. I'm Bridget Flood, Director of Strategy and Operations here at BCN, and I'm joined by my co-host, Janie Shoemaker, Executive Director. Hey, Janie. Hi, Bridget. So, Janie, as you know, the BCN and Friends podcast is where we hold interesting conversations around learning with a range of thought leaders, BCN certification holders, and industry professionals. But most importantly, it is to create value and insight for you, our professional nurses across the emergency spectrum. We hope you find our discussions interesting, informative, sometimes funny, sometimes serious, but always valuable. Janie, today we have Kurt Steinhorst, who is a very interesting new friend we get to talk to today. Kurt is on a mission to rescue us from our distracted selves. And thank goodness somebody is. Um, After years of studying the impact of technology on human behavior, Kurt founded FocusWise, a consultancy that helps organizations to overcome the distinct challenges of the constantly connected workplace. Kurt is the best-selling author of Can I Have Your Attention? Inspiring Better Work Habits, Focusing Your Team, and getting stuff done in the constantly connected workplace. He is also a regular um, at Forbes and a Forbes con- contributor on leadership strategy. Kurt, who was diagnosed with ADD as a child, knows intimately the challenges companies face to keep the attention of today's distracted workforce and customers. He has coached executives, TV personalities, and well-known professional athletes on how to effectively communicate and create focus when they speak to audiences, lead their employees, and engage their customers. Kurt's unique insight and entertaining speaking style has captured the attention of audiences worldwide. He speaks more than 75 times a year to organizations that includes everyone from global leadership associations and non-for-profits to Fortune 100 companies. Kurt, did I forget to add anything to your long list of impressive accomplishments? Uh, No, but you're welcome to make things up. (laughs) I can do that. Um, (laughs) I really, really can't wait to get started because um, I know personally, I struggle with the barrage of inputs that come at me on a daily basis. So where I think I'd like to start is if you could talk a little bit about yourself, specifically as it relates to your journey around talking about attention and distraction. Of course, I would love to. You know, it's interesting because there's certainly no degree that you come out of school and you're like, I'm going to study attention. Although since then, the science of attention is a, is a growing field at the intersection of psychology and neuroscience. Uh, my journey with focus and distraction, it goes all the way back to ch- my childhood. When I was a kid, and uh, you mentioned it in the introduction, but I was diagnosed uh, with ADD. 
And I lived in a home filled with people who had no problems focusing at all. My sister, I don't know if anyone else has that you know, older sibling that is just unreasonable and unrealistic <laughs> for anyone else in the world. And, and she still is a, an amazing and accomplished person. And she focused perfectly and I struggled. And so I had to learn workarounds and, and how do I achieve what I was seeking to achieve, remain competitive in an environment where my brain tends to like shiny new objects. And, and so that really carried through through undergrad and graduate studies with a particular fascination on how do you get people's attention? How do you communicate in ways that actually um, grab people and keep them with you? And the study of rhetoric and how technology changes how we communicate. And then from there, I entered into the working world where I was coaching people that had a big platform on how they capture audience attention and eventually started my own business. And it was there that the personal challenges around um, how do I get, uh, um, manage this massive barrage of messages, emails, meetings. Um, when you start your own business, you also have to somehow get to the bank, set up an LLC at the time is, and uh, respond to the girl that I was dating on Instagram, <laughs> I mean, excuse me, before Instagram on uh, instant message. Right. And who became my wife. And so how, how would I get focused? And so, I ended up alongside this small consultancy I created to help people with a big platform being asked to join the largest generational firm in North America. And I was um, to represent and, and be one of the two spokespeople for them and, and to study and to, to be on the cutting edge of research that was occurring on generations. And more and more, my personal um, challenges around focus were becoming more generational and then they were going beyond generational and people were asking me to speak more about that than they were to speaking on generations. And so all of a sudden um, I'm being asked to speak on the thing that really was at first a very personal journey and filled with lots of reading and, and listening to audiobooks and all these great ideas that would work perfectly for me tomorrow, but never seemed to satisfy my need to get focused at the time. And so that's really where I jumped into the conversation to say like, what is it that's causing this? How can I get on top of it? And, um, you know, if nothing else, I'm 37 at the time, this is late twenties. How do I make sure I don't do what everyone else in my generation is doing and have to go home and live with my parents? Yeah. No one wants to do that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and I do personally struggle with all of the inputs that are coming at me through the course of a day, um, whether they're work-related, personal-related, and um, focus is a problem and distraction is, is a problem as well. Um, so what are some actions that maybe I could or anyone else could take um, during our day to help us get more focused yeah. less distracted. Yeah, well, you know, I think it starts, at least for me, it started with really asking the question, what's reasonable? Um, what can I actually handle in a day? Um, how many messages should I be responsible for? Um, what, what aspects of this are my problem and what aspects of this are system problems, cultural problems, technology problems that if we can't think about those, then we end up feeling guilty all the time. And, and I want to mention that because there's a lot of things we can do, but I also think one of the things we have to do is give ourselves permission to be human. Because the fact is, you know, on average, people are receiving and sending over 200 emails a day. 
especially if you're at larger organizations where we're getting pinged, you know, 150 sessions of checking our phone because we're having to respond to people. You know, the whole point of text messaging and emails is, was what was called asynchronous, asynchronous communication, meaning that like I could send it when I wanted to send it, someone else could read it when they were free, but it's turned into, you know, 70% of emails are, uh, are read within six seconds of receipt when they're pushed to our devices, right? We, we typically oh. respond within three minutes, 90% of the messages we receive, we respond within three minutes, at least in text form. And so I, I just wanna start by saying that, like you're never gonna have any chance of getting focused on anything if, you're constantly available and everyone expects that you respond immediately to whatever they send you. Um, I, I couldn't agree more with you. I personally have, I think about 3000 unread email messages in my personal email and I have no desire to even go there. I think if it's important, they'll probably call me. Otherwise they're just yep. useless emails. Um, but when it comes to work, I think, your point of what's realistic is important and that, um, you know, responding to what is important and waiting for those other emails is really good advice. So thank you for that. I appreciate that. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting when you said what it really is important. When we think about like what really drives focus and when I am focus can have a lot of different meanings for people. You know, for some of us, this is the association as like a, a monk in a monastery, right? Or right. Uh, that, you know, there's all these different understandings. What we're really meaning is the ability to take control of your own attention. Like that what gets and keeps your attention, that, that I'm going to put, my, I'm going to focus in on the things that really matter rather than all the other volume and the noise and the chaos that exists around me. And, and so I, you said, like, what strategies? You know, it does start with the ability to identify what really matters most. Um, it turns out when we actually know something matters a lot, we don't really have any problems being distracted by things that don't matter. It's that when we can't identify it, everything feels really important and we feel guilty and we flip and we flip and we flip for fear we might miss something else that's important. Right. And if everything's important, then nothing's important. So That's right. That's right. Um, Oh, that's great. So, so Kurt, uh, for our listeners who are largely professionals working across the emergency spectrum, so we've got nurses working in emergency departments and trauma units, ground transport, um, some of them are in helicopters and fixed wing aircrafts and <clears throat> pediatric emergency departments, all those busy, chaotic places. Um, and this topic is no joke for them. So. Uh, and having, having been a nurse at the bedside for many, many years, um, you know, and, and was distracted all the time by various things, sometimes you can't help but be distracted and you've got to go take care of what the distraction is. And other times, um, you know, maybe it's just, uh, you know, alerts coming through. There's all kinds of communication devices now that nurses carry. Maybe you're getting pinged every five minutes and you know, the sad part is, is that oftentimes we have a patient in front of us who seemingly right. should require all of our focus. And I'm just wondering, you know, <clears throat> you say, gosh, we have to really hone in on what's important. And, you know, if you're, if you're a nurse and you're getting all these pings and alerts, you have to assume all of them. people wouldn't be pinging you if it wasn't important. But, you know, it takes so much away from the person or the patient or the family member that's in front of us. So, I just don't know, would you have any 
any specific tips that our nurses might carry away for how to really yeah. stay focused on the person who is sitting in front of them so that person feels whole? Yeah, great question. And I think, uh, so what I can offer is some key principles and then the ability to adapt it to your situation is, is just, we live in complex, changing, uncertain times. But um, the first thing that I would, I would recognize is that no one and nothing benefits from your partial attention. And I just want to start there because it really is a mental shift that, that is really important. Because if we can, if we can acknowledge that, that there are lots of important things out there, but when we try to do them simultaneously, no one wins, then we try to think differently about how we structure our time and we try to structure the environment that we're going to be in. And when I say no one benefits from your partial attention, uh, anything that involves language, let's just get like right into the science here. If it, or if it involves you talking to a patient while having to read a text message from another patient or like any two language oriented things, you're not doing two things at once, right? We're, we're doing every other where it's actually task switching. And there's times that task, task switching is okay, but as long as we know the consequence of that. And, and so just to put it like really clearly, when we flip back and forth tasks, we're slower. In fact, about a 40% drop in efficiency. When we flip back and forth um, with our tasks, the quality of our work goes way down. We, we, don't have the, we don't have as much processing speed. So in fact, Harvard MBAs, when adding basic arithmetic to an essay, trying to do both of those, the quality of their essay went down to about a second grade level. So I tell companies often, I'm like, if, you are, uh, if, if your number one obligation for all your employees is to be immediately responsive, just hire second graders. Like you're not getting quality work anyways, right? Um, then our ability to prioritize goes down. When things are coming at us, like when we have so many things coming at us, we, we, everything feels important. And, um, and lastly, there's actually more about this, but our emotional connection to whatever we're doing is lost. That we can finish the task with the patient, but we might not actually have the chance to consider and, and really um, have the space that is required to emotionally connect with whatever it is we're doing, which is why we get disengaged and we get burnt out. Like we feel like, oh, I'm too busy, I'm overwhelmed. Well, the truth is um, we can handle a lot as long as it's sequential. When it's simultaneous, we lose connection. And so I say all of that to say, sometimes you're going to have to multitask. Like if you're with a patient and an emergency hits, you have to be aware of it and you got to flip over. That's just what you got to do. And the more expertise, the more time you spend in nursing, the better you are at doing that. My number one advice would be to say, how do I set up high enough barriers and filters so that when I'm in front of a human being, the only noise that can get through and interrupt me are things that are truly emergencies because it's the accidental pings or the ones that don't relate to you or that someone else can get to, or it could happen in three minutes that, that will actually cost the, the, the quality of the interaction with this person, their experience of the relationship and your ability to be present for it. So I would just say, how do you set higher filters so that when you're in with someone, you make sure that the only stuff that's getting through, which probably involves having a conversation with teams. Like, hey, the, the, um, there's a desk where if you're not with patients, that's where everything comes through and people see uh, that are at the desk, they're the ones that get all of these interruptions. When you're inside with a patient, you don't get those interruptions. You know, I, I'm not sure if that's actually reasonable given your space, but some type of filtering mechanism would be really important. 
Well, I love that advice. And we, we know firsthand, and, and anybody who's ever interacted with nurses know what an incredible difference they make. And, you know, your experience with the nurse that's taking care of you in any given setting can certainly, certainly um, make or break the whole experience. And I'm just amazed by this, this data point of 40% drop in efficiency. So when we think we're really being a great efficient person by multitasking, in fact, we aren't. And it's really hurting our ability for that emotional connection and our ability to prioritize and on and on. So I love your advice about <clears throat> setting up that barrier. And, and yes, that may take some communication with the team, but what a worthy thing to work on. That's really important. Yeah, I think like the core thing is as a team, everyone's saying like, it's our goal to give everyone our full attention for a time period rather than partial attention all the time. Like our goal is that you're worth more than just a small amount of my attention. You're worth all of it, but you're not worth all of it all the time. So let's figure out how we actually give the amount of attention to something that lets us have um, the display of value towards it. I love that. Now, Kurt, it sounds to me like you've got a pretty exciting new project called Focus Fit. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? <laughs> you know, uh, the, I, I would love to. For really the last two years, we've had this project, you know, in our minds. I've been wrestling. I've been thinking through it with our team. And it wasn't until the uh, quarantine hit that most of my work is on the road. I'm, I'm doing consulting, speaking in a lot of programs, uh, doing more coaching sessions. Like that means I just hadn't had the time for it. And so when everything went virtual for us uh, in the, you know, with the double-edged sword that that is, it really gave us a chance to say, okay, how do we, how do we take all of the habits and the, the basic skills that are so valuable and can really give people control of their own attention. Um, and I, I might have said it earlier, but I should just say that the reason that attention is so important is it's the most valuable resource that you have. That whatever you pay attention to, in fact, I have a, a, I have a, a framed quote on my board that says, tell me what you pay attention to and I will tell you who you are. It's from a Spanish philosopher. And, you know, what gets our attention shapes our world. Like, if we, don't, if we don't see it, it doesn't exist. And in today's world, the competition for your attention, because it's so valuable, is so incredibly high that uh, you're on average having four to 7,000 advertisements thrown at you every day. And um, Facebook offers it for free. Google offers you searches for free. YouTube says you can watch this for free. Yelp says you can review and find the best restaurant for free. Like Netflix, very small price, but still cheap. Like every one of these is free because they know that your attention is so much more valuable. And so really what we're saying is like being focus fit, which is what this new product is around, is saying like, what would it look like for you to control it rather than having all of this external noise um, leave you confused, overwhelmed, and f have your attention fragmented. And so, so we, we created this project. We worked with, uh, with Nike to basically outline micro learning, you know, at most 10 minutes a day, fun activities over a four week period that give people, um, it's called the Focus Fit Challenge. And so week one is around getting clarity around what really deserves your attention, what really matters most. Week two is around really understanding your capacity what affects it? How do we expand our capacity? How do we match our time uh, and our tasks to when we have the energy to do it? 
Then we move into curiosity, which is really about like what makes us want to pay attention to things, what motivates us. And finally, we go to community, which is what people and uh, the people around us, how they help us focus on what matters. Wow, that sounds amazing. I, I think I need to take that focus fit training. That yeah. really to really help me. That sounds really, really great. Well, we are, we are very excited. It's the most scalable thing. Like my goal for it, and we're still in the process of like doing kind of the final operational pieces so that we can really let anybody that wants to do it, do it not in an expensive way, but especially do it with teams, like do it as a team and a company, like all the nurses, we're going to do it together. And we're going to talk through, Hey, when do I not need to be available? When do I need this? When do I need help here? Um, how should we connect and communicate? Because otherwise, we just like we end up available on every channel. Like people can, uh, you know, send you an email, then text you, and then, you know, go to Slack. I don't know if you use Slack or Microsoft Teams, and then they flip over, they call you, and it's like seven messages because you were in the bathroom for two minutes. And, and it sounds like you've made it fun and engaging. That's what really intrigues me. I, I am, you know, it's, it doesn't sound like your usual you know, training that can sometimes be kind of dry. It sounds like it'd be really fun to do. Yeah. Well, that's the, you know, this is part of what took it so long for us to do it because for me, another like staring at a screen to watch another video, to fill out another like, you know, multiple choice test, you know, wasn't going to take, do it. I, I, you know, the lens to which I look is like, if we're going to talk about focus and attention, we better do things that people want to put their attention on. It needs to, it better be fun. It better be uh, engaging. We, you know, we better get to the end and people wish that it was longer not think, Oh, right. it's day three and I'm already behind right. and overwhelmed and done. Yes. Oh, that's perfect. And so, um, we can look at your website to find out when it's available. Yeah, Correct? yeah, you can sign. So the website has a place to sign up. It's uh, just focuswise.com and uh, www.focuswise.com. And in fact, we just launched that website, that new website very recently. So uh, it's, you can tell us what you think. We're really, really excited about it. It's like a giving birth to a baby. Um, Perfect. In every way, except it's way easier than that with a father <laughs> of three kids who's been the least, um, the least stressed person, in, or no, the most stressed and least valuable person in the delivery room on three occasions. It's probably a terrible analogy to say it's like giving birth. Um, you know, a new program, I don't think that's not a bad analogy at all. So we'll give you another chance also at the end of this to talk about where we can all find you. But I want to switch gears here. Um, so I understand you recently completed a three-week road trip with your family in an AeroStream trailer. So what was that like? So we have a five, th actually now six, brand new, hot off the press, six, three and a half and one and a half year old. And we, we um, went up to Seattle, picked up an Airstream, 30 foot Airstream and drove it back to Dallas. I don't think anybody would look at three young kids and say that you should do a three week road trip anywhere. <laughs> so not advisable. <laughs> um, but honestly, it was just the most incredible experience for us. Like, you know, at its core, there were a couple of things we were wanting to accomplish. Like, first off, every job's different. Every team's different. I, I know not everyone has the ability to do this. I've 
because of the nature of my work, always having to be on the road, always having to be um, on flights, this was this rare moment where we could really say, I can work from anywhere, but even more, like we can unplug. Like at the pace that I typically go, if there's like one thing that I am just personally, I, I either go 100 miles an hour, or I go zero miles an hour, and usually I go 100 miles an hour until like the car, uh, the oil needs changed. It's like burning up, <laughs> you know, like we're running out of gas and I'm like, I can go a little further. And so really this was primarily just to spend time um, in the rare places where you actually can't reach anyone else. And, you know, we live in this world where we feel guilty because we're not able to be fully present. We look and we're like, kids get off your phones at the dinner table. And we're always feeling like there's something else out there that we might need to focus on, but we're feeling guilty that we're not present. Well, like the easiest solution for me to that, and I'm the same way I struggle with these things, is to just get to places that actually don't give you any options. Right, it sounds like you focused on what was important for those that's right. couple of weeks. Yeah, and that's, you know, part of our larger family philosophy is that we, we create intentional times where we give full attention without feeling guilty that we're not always giving attention. You know, so like the, the there's interesting research that shows pre-COVID that there people were actually, parents were spending more time with kids than they had. People don't think that. It's been less and less, more time, but less full attention. Like yeah. it's just constant and, and what kids need and what we need from each other is we need the gift of undivided attention. And so we took this trip basically to eliminate any of the external noise and to be with the family. And it was incredible. And I will say the other like bonus that we didn't expect, and I think this is just super, I want to encourage everyone with this, um, is there's certain things that we want to think about that like, what really matters to me? Um, what are my dreams? What am I missing? Like these things just don't work in highly scheduled environments. Like we just, I, like my brain can't go there if I feel like I have a short constraint of time. Like I, for the next hour, I'm gonna solve this problem. But like just being able to let my mind drift actually made so many things so much more clear about where we really wanted to go and what really mattered. And so it was like a short little sabbatical and wish it could have gone longer, honestly. Well. You never know. Um, a long time with those children, so um, I'm sure there there'll be many opportunities for that. Um, I'm going to switch again to our favorite part of our podcast, which is our rapid fire questions, and they should not feel like a test. Um, okay. So I'm going to go first. <laughs> but don't fail them. No, but don't don't fail it. Um, what it, what's the worst job you ever had? And then I guess I'll ask my second one now too, which is what's the worst job you ever had? And then what's the best job you ever had? Well, the worst job, you know, there's a couple that compete. I, I, the first that comes to mind is that when I was a kid, my uncle owned furniture, like a wholesale furniture business. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, being generous, with the teenage kid that needed some money, he had me clean out the warehouses and then basically um, move furniture. So I was like responsible for putting furniture onto the uh, like 18 wheelers that they would then send out to furniture for. So it was awful. I was smaller than everyone else. I also didn't know how to use a, one of those dollies very well. And I'm, I'm just terrible at it. So that was the worst job ever. I would say with a, with a close second being followed by, uh, I had to do actually my very first job out of school 
I had to, before I moved into the part of my uh, work, which was really the coaching and writing part of helping people with speaking, I had to cold call. And I just sat, you know, whether one, the first job was physically exhausting, mentally boring. This was, I would just sit and I'd cold call people all day long to tell them about the people we represented at its talent agency. And it's like, I was counting down the seconds to lunch. It was awful every day. It was awful. So those are the worst jobs. Yeah. So you have to have some bad ones to really recognize the good ones. That's right. That's right. So honestly, I, I pinch myself. Like I am, this is like, I am doing my dream and I, I I don't have any idea how we got here. I I will be honest that, you know, pre COVID was a little bit, um, was a little bit easier than post COVID. Although post COVID has been really great in terms of like cleaning, like tightening us up and things like that. But like, if I won the lottery, I'd do the same thing I'm doing probably with a bigger staff. That'd be the one thing probably have a bigger team. But I, I mean, I literally, I get to think and write and, and, and help people really identify and understand the science of attention. And, and that's pretty incredible. That's, that's an awesome answer. Jenny, I think you have a couple questions. I do, yes. So Kurt, what was one of the most important lessons that you learned? So mm, yeah, gosh, I feel like starting a business is, is just a mirror. It's just one way of exposing your, your delinquencies and mistakes after another. Um, I, you know, I would say that one of the more recent ones, I'll give you two, two. Uh, one is that I cannot bear the emotional burdens of other people effectively and still be able to provide for people well. And what I mean by that is that I tend to um, I mean, this is just getting real. We can do this. So I, I, my natural tendency is to want people to be happy and to, um, you know, and, and to, if I feel like there's anything I can do to alleviate a burden, then I'm going to do it. I think that's loving, but what ends up happening for someone like me is that I, I can end up, um, having people who, uh, <laughs> who, ultimately need to carry their own burdens and, and me trying to carry their burdens can often end up having people that were on staff that are bad for everyone else, including for themselves. And so as a leader, I've had to learn that sometimes the most loving thing you can do is let people, you know, move along because it's what's healthiest and most caring for them and for the people, other people that you work with. And so uh, I, I would say that's one that I, 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 about a year ago, I, like, I, I was, I have a good friend that's a well-known psychologist and trauma therapist. And I was like, you're not allowed to do this psychology thing on me. And sure enough, like we're an hour in, I'm like, oh, it turns out that's why I can't solve these problems. Because well, I'm trying to carry everyone's, yeah. Yeah, that's a really good lesson. I bet you there's people listening that can probably relate to that. That's yeah. very profound. Yeah, this, there's a book called um, Boundaries. It's older, classic, early 90s. I think it's really, really great for that. So, and then let me do one that's a little bit less, bring us up a little bit. Uh, I, I've learned that if you don't define roles extremely clearly, then it's really hard to have anyone feel like they're successful or to make real progress. So 
Um, like we just, when you're in a smaller business, you're like, we're going to just have everyone, we're all in it together. We all do whatever we can. We're going towards the same mission, but eventually what ends up happening is that you have so much replication and everyone's in every meeting and everyone's contributing and using their voice in every single thing. And like, I just learned that part of what it means to be a great leader is to let people know exactly what lane they run in so that they have permission to be successful. Wow. That's great advice. That's a great lesson. Each one of these is very costly. They're very costly lessons. Yeah, well, that's how we learn best, right? That's right. <laughs> okay, my last rapid fire question for you, and you may want to talk to, talk to us about a couple of things here, but I, we always want to know what book shaped your life or what's your favorite book and, and why should we all read it? Well, you know, so I, I, I'll say one, I'll say a couple that are fun. And then of course, you know, my favorite book is probably the one that I had to spend a year and a half writing, but the, so my favorite book that I just have found myself telling many other people to go to read is a book called The Social Animal by David Brooks. I've given that one away many times, The Social Animal. And it's, it's just this incredible, David Brooks is a prolific New York Times writer, kind of a pop psych, you know, philosopher, just brilliant thinker. And the book tracks, he, he does this brilliant thing where he, he takes basically from birth to the grave, this fake story of these people that end up getting married, having kids. And through the whole book, every life stage, he goes into the um, sociology and the neuroscience for why these like very prototypical behaviors are occurring. Everything from like you name any part, so it's this like complete fun and entertaining way to really understand the full picture of what we understand about, um, about psychology and sociology, about why we do the things we do. So love that book, highly recommend it. All right, sounds like a good one. Yeah, it's super fun too. It's really entertaining. He's just a fun writer. And, and then number two, I, I guess I would say, I love, great fantasy novels, which makes me a complete nerd, but I just want to advocate for a second that fantasy novels are not what people think. They're not, you know, Dungeons and Dragons. I mean, Game of Thrones is kind of the classic, but, you know, I named our oldest kid after um, a series called The Wheel of Time, but there's a series called Stormlight Archive by Brandon Sanderson, and the next book's coming out, number four. So if you've ever liked Game of Thrones, then you've got to read Stormlight Archive, it's better. So those are the fun ones for you. Wow. And if you don't, I know I sound like a total nerd, but sometimes you just need to leave this world, especially right now, and just go to a, one that doesn't really exist, but would be really cool. <laughs> so. I agree. I completely agree with you. I'm gonna, I have written that down. Who doesn't love Game of Thrones? Well, there, yeah. are, there are people that put those memes out that say, I never watched an episode, but they're rare. They're rare people. Yeah, and we don't like them, so it's fine. <laughs> Kidding. You wrote your book, Can I Have Your Attention? I did, yeah. So uh, it, it's, it's interesting. I, I've told friends and people along the way, I'm like, I would never, I would never wish writing a book on any, uh, my biggest enemy <laughs> in so many ways, unless you just can't not write it because it's such a labor of love and it, and it takes so long. And, and so the book can't have your attention was really the, the culmination of all of my thinking and coaching and working with clients and uh, like what is at its core, 
like what are the things that really impact our ability to focus? And so that book um, came out a couple years ago and uh, I'm, you never know, especially someone like me in the thought world, like, am I going to hate this the minute it gets printed? Like, is there something that's like, this was a moment in time. And the thing I'm particularly grateful for is I, I still, I still feel as good about what we put out then as I do now. So, right. Yeah. As good as then, I felt as good. I feel as good now as I did then. Words can be challenging. Yeah, that's great. Sounds like you've given us uh, three good things to check out here. Yeah. I, in, in reverse order. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, Kurt, if our audience would like to follow you, I know we mentioned your website, which was uh, www.focuswise.com. We mentioned that, but are you also on social media? Can they find you there? You know, they can. I, so, LinkedIn is the channel that I'm most involved in. And uh, so, you just, my name, link, if you just type my name, I, it should come up, Kurt Steinhorst. And... So that's the, the, probably the easiest way. I'm on Twitter. I'm on the other place. I don't really stay that engaged there. I, you know, it's, it's, social media is not always the best place for focus. So there's certain places that can be good. So yeah, I would say LinkedIn is probably the best. And then, you know, the website's the other best. And, and I'll give you my, we have an email and I'll just tell you, I mentioned having filters and this is a filtered email. So here's what it filters. I have someone on my team that if it's uh, if you want to join, for instance, we have like a podcast. It's like a three minute, we call it focus break short every week. Like this is something a uh, leader, like I think last week's was uh, about an interview I did with this chairman and CEO of Bloomin' Brands, Outback Steakhouse. Like this is something from them, like three minutes. So if, if you want something like that, if you want to be a part of that or just have questions, like if it's, if it's anything to get signed up for or any big question, my admin's going to answer it. I, you won't even know. If it's something you have a question about that's more complicated, it'll get filtered into me. I will answer it, but that's the only way we can do it. So cs at focuswise.com is another way to connect. cs focuswise.com. That's great. Yeah, happy to, happy to provide it. All right. Well, I'm going to turn you back over to Bridget. I have certainly learned an awful lot listening to you today. Um, I am so excited you joined us. And, and Bridget, I'm going to let you wrap us up. Yeah, I, I agree, J.D. This was a great conversation. And I, I want to take this time to thank Kurt for joining us for this episode of BCN and Friends. Um, Kurt, thank you from um, everyone at BCN for doing this. And to all of our listeners, we hope you'll stay tuned as we continue on with this series and bring you new and meaningful content and perspectives. And if you have a suggestion out there for an episode topic, please, please email us at bcen at bcen.org. We are always looking for great topics. I'm Bridget Flood here with Jenny Shoemaker. And on behalf of the entire BCM team, we thank you, celebrate you for all that you're doing as a professional nurse across the emergency spectrum. And until next time.